0: Are you a pilgrim that's walked to the Camino de Santiago? Could be any of the caminos. If so, please send us a message on our. Pilgrim's Podcast Facebook page because I would love to interview you. I'm always looking for new guests for the podcast. And as a thank you, I will give you a copy of my Camino de Santiago memoir, The Only Way is West. It's a bestseller in the humorous essays and travelogue categories in the UK, in Australia and Canada and also a bestseller in sports essays, ecotourism and literary travel in the USA. So please get in touch, and like I said, as a thank you, I'll give you a free copy of my book, The Only Way Is West, which currently on Amazon has 73 reviews and 4.8 out of 5. So, that's the announcement's over with. Let's get into the podcast. A wandering wanderer, a life adventurer, said he's a secret Hello there, once again, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation, and packing for walking the road to Santiago. Something we're looking forward to more than ever once the current climate passes. And we're going to talk about, obviously, taking the grim out of the pilgrimage putting the bounce back into your boots and more k's in our days as soon as we can break out of our own domestic cages and to that end in this episode we are talking to a canadian pilgrim david talon please talk about the first time the camino came into your life how did you cross paths with the camino
1: so i was living in spain in 1989 i was teaching english in madrid and I heard about Spain I think first as a route that people did in the 20th century um, in my copy of Let's Go Spain Portugal and Morocco which was a sort of a student travel guide at the time and amongst all the other things it mentioned it did mention the Camino de Santiago although it didn't I don't think specify that it was something that everyone always walked. It was more like here is a route that they followed in the Middle Ages and people follow it today to see the, um, the monuments that were built a long time ago.
0: So 1989 and, was when you first heard about it and when did you eventually get to walk it?
1: So I, the, in 1989, I followed the Camino. So I following that, I uh, I had like nine days off from working there over the uh, Semana Santa. And in Spain, when you talk to people, the Camino starts in Roncesvalles, um, or at least it did then. So I took myself to Roncesvalles, and from Roncesvalles, I went to Santiago following the same route, but it was some hitchhiking, some hiking. Bit of this and a bit of that. However, I could get myself there in nine days. Um, and at the time, I really felt like I was a pilgrim following the pilgrim's route. But the, when I was on it, I started to see people. I saw people who were driving the route, but I also saw people who were walking it and thought, wouldn't it be great to walk it someday? Um, but I went home. I found a girl. I got married. I had kids. I had a career and it slipped into the background for about 25 years. And then um, in the mid-2013, you know, 2013, 2014, somehow it came across my radar again. And I thought, wouldn't that be great? And I remember following the Camino on Google Earth just to, from one end to the other and thinking, I want to do this when I retire. Um, but I had promised my son and, and my daughter, actually, Each of them, I promised them a trip when they were 16 years old that I would take them somewhere. And my son said to me, he he was going to be 16 in 2016, and he said, for the trip that you promised me, Dad, why don't we walk the Camino together? So I arranged with work to get uh, a few months off, and we headed to – it had to be in the summer because he was a high school student. He actually – turned 16 on July 25th, 2016, and on St. James Day. And we headed to Spain at the beginning of July and went up to Monthez Valles because I wanted to start the same place with him that I'd started myself in 1989. And from there, we walked to uh, Finisterre.
0: Wow, what a way to celebrate the your son's 16th birthday.
1: Yeah, he had his birthday in Carrión de los Condes.
0: Wow, that's a really lovely story. And obviously he was captivated by what you told him about it before.
1: Yeah, I think he saw it as a, a chance to really prove himself to himself, a chance to set himself a big uh, challenge and follow through on it. Uh, a chance to do something meaningful with me, um, and a chance to see another country.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a lovely story. I mean, lots of, te- I mean, I used to be a, a physical education teacher, and, and lots of teenagers. It's hard to even get them out of their chair sometimes. But the fact that you got him to walk all that way across Spain, and it was something that he actually urged you to do, means you must have uh, you must have trained him well.
1: He, uh, he, he, he certainly challenged himself and he, he rose to the challenge.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. So you've walked with your son from Roncesvalles to Finisterre. Did you both do any training to get into shape for it?
1: We did no training whatsoever no? for that. No. We, he, yeah, we did no training. We started, I, I mean, we started Roncesvalles, we walked to Zubiri and then for the next three days, we did short days of like fifteen kilometers, and then gradually built up to more. So it was like on the communal training, but we did no training, and and we paid for it. Yeah, it was um, it
0: was on the job training then basically.
1: It was on the job training, but like I he ended up having terrible blisters, and I ended up having terrible knees, and you know I think it would have been a lot easier. Um, had we done training beforehand, and I, I did much more, more training before my next Camino Portuguese, which I did in twenty eighteen. Okay, but but you can do it with no training. It's not something I would necessarily advise, but it can be done because we did it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're gonna get those. You're certainly gonna get more bumps and bruises on the first day if you do no training. And what would you, what did you do differently then for your following Camino in the Camino Portuguese? So,
1: so for my following Camino Portuguese. I, uh, a few things I did differently. One is I did a lot of training beforehand. So I was doing regular walks and I built myself up to the point where when I could walk three days in a row, 20 kilometers with my full backpack on, no noticeable real effects afterwards that I knew I was trained enough.
0: So um, 20, 20 kilometers, three days in a row and that puts you ready for that first day on the trail?
1: Yeah, that- Be ready for the first day on the trail.
0: Mm, And you mentioned- I did it over a
1: long weekend. You, you know, twenty. You know, so I had a long weekend, so I could take twenty kilometers each day. And then I thought, okay, now I'm ready.
0: Good idea. So for those that are about to walk the Camino, you could recommend taking a long weekend of off work, building yourself up to that point gradually, and then actually shocking the body into into that, so you're ready on the first day. And you mentioned blisters as well, which your your son suffered from. Did you imagine you were to walk the Camino again, or your son were to walk it again? what foot care rituals would you incorporate to make sure that it wouldn't happen again?
1: I think well-fitting shoes is, is, is key. Um, and yeah, well-fitting shoes, regular breaks, um, and better care of the blisters when they start forming. We, we didn't really know what to do with them. And I think that was, wasn't good. So there'd be more sort of draining from the side, um, Putting the antiseptic on, bandaging them up. Um,
0: so you you actually drain the blisters with like a sterile needle.
1: That's what I would do. next That's not what we did then, but that's what I would do next time. Right. It okay. got got so bad. We were in Astorga, and at the albergue we were at in Astorga, they had two sort of clinics. There was a, a thing you could sign at the when you signed in to for your bed, you could also sign up for a massage, or for a podiatry clinic. Where they had students uh, from the university who were studying podiatry would come in and help you take care of your feet. And his feet were like so bad then mm. that we immediately signed him up for the podiatry clinic. And most people were in and out of that clinic in 10 minutes. And he was, they were out his feet for an hour and a half. That's how, how, how they were.
0: What do you think was and, the cause of these blisters? Because, I mean, that, once you're in a if you're on the Camino Frances and you started in, you should, Fias, be worn in. Yeah. you should be worn in by then. What do you think was the cause of it?
1: What was the cause of it? So he, I think we were walking too, like, too long for him. So mm-hmm. we had been done, you know, day after day, 25, 30 kilometers, which isn't long for most people. But for him, I think that we, when we took ourselves down, after that, after Estruga, we took a rest day, and then we never we never walked as much as 25 kilometers till the very end again, and he mm-hmm. was fine. So, if so, shorter, truer lens was good. Um, the people in the podiatry clinic were telling us don't use compete. and a lot of people swear by compete and they said don't do that because it just puts more pressure on the blister. And what they did was they made like donut um, bandages that went around the blister, but with the hole where the blister was, so that took the pressure off the blister.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, I've heard actually not to use compete as well. I was told by an, a, a same professional, um, there was a podiatry, uh, a temporary podiatry tent set up by the, cruise, uh, the Red Cross, the Cruz Roca. And yeah. I I actually had a complete on my foot, my first one, and she was very stern with me. And she said, compete, not just like that. And I've been told different things. So uh, I think, you know, yeah. people can try out different techniques and, and different ways to k- treat and prevent blisters. But it's always interesting to hear because it, it's a really common complaint and I've suffered from them as well. So it's another angle to take is, you know, not using the not using the compete. And like you said, one of the most important things is not doing too much because the more time your feet spend locked up in those hot shoes and sweaty socks where the friction and the moisture builds up, they can all be causes of blisters. So uh, we've heard it many times as well, people sit on the podcast about taking your socks off halfway through the day to give them some air when you stop for a break. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, important i think like you said when you get on the trail to make sure you've already walked a lot too so you're not doing the trial and error on the trail you've already done it before you go and you can enjoy your caminos a lot more and talking of enjoying the camino how were the camino albergs for you and and your son specifically how did you make that that adjustment from going to your cozy bedrooms and and lovely house to sleeping in a room with lots of people in close quarters
1: so it wasn't a problem for me. I've always liked hostels. I did a lot of hosteling and backpacking around Europe when I was younger. I'm a life member of the International Youth Hostelling Federation. Um, and my son, he was fine with it, too, with the possible exception when we were in Sobrero and the albergue there, where they didn't have any um, separate shower stalls. I think that was a bit much for him.
0: Hmm.
1: He wasn't thrilled with that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's, um, there's a distinct lack of privacy in many of them, isn't there?
1: But, but you know, we brought earplugs with us, and you know, I like the social, uh, the the being with the other pilgrims.
0: Yeah, that's a. A massive part of anyone's pilgrimage, and and definitely one of the best things about the, the Camino and the camaraderie and the relationships you build and the friendships you make that that last a long time, and that often softens the lack of of facilities and the Spartan surroundings. And we've and we've heard before different people say different things, like bringing a privacy towel that you can put across the bottom bunk, making yeah. sure you sleep next to a win uh, if you can get a bed next to a window, if you can get one next to a plug socket so you can charge your phone
1: um, oh yeah that was
0: my son yeah away from entry and exit points so there's less noise um, there's so many different ways you can get the most out of your Albert experience but I think also um look at it as we said many times before on this podcast as a character building exercise as well And while we're on the subject of albergues, I mean, did you have one on the Camino Português or on the Camino Frances that you and your son particularly enjoyed and you'd recommend others there?
1: If I was going to pick one albergue to recommend, it would be probably on the Camino Português Casa de Fernanda.
0: Casa de Fernanda. Um, And where can can people uh, find that?
1: So that's on the central route north of Porto between... Barcelos and Punta de lima
0: hmm okay um that's a very rural area as well if i remember correctly
1: yeah and it's it's um
0: do you remember the town Fernanda, the, the, the old village or town it's in
1: it's it's i it, it's it's like its own little place practically right. it's in a municipality but it's not not like you know like a village where you're going to see the name of the village and, and it's, it's a cluster of, of of you know there's a downtown it's mm. its own place um, but it's, it's Fernanda's house and she and her husband, uh, run it. And it's, there's like 14 beds there that are, uh, single beds, uh, no bunk beds. And, uh, they do a dinner, they do breakfast. It's a Donativo. Um, although there is a suggested donation, but they don't, it's a box. No one's watching what you put in. Um, and it's very um, hospitable, very um, communal. Um, it's like you're being invited into their home with the fellow pilgrims. It's it's great.
0: So Casa de um, Fernando, would, that's between yeah. Barcelos and Ponte de Lima, you said. And yes. just, just uh, I am mean, intrigued because I've walked both the Camino Frances and the Camino Portugues. What do you see as the major differences between them and who would you recommend each Camino for? For example, someone that's just starting out, would you say they're better off on the Camino Portuguese or the Camino Frances?
1: It depends on how, many, okay, so it, I have only walked the Camino Portuguese from Porto. I haven't walked it from Lisbon. Um, but if it was someone on their first Camino, my first question would be how long do you have to walk? So if they have a good five, six weeks, then I would probably recommend the Camino Frances because it gives you that archetypical experience that is what you're gonna read about and see in the movies and when people talk about the Camino, that's what they think about. Um gives you that 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 full sort of epic experience of the Camino it's the mo- it's uh, it's it's hugely historical um, it has so much there if you do- can't get that amount of time off um, if you have two or three weeks that you can get off then I would recommend the Camino Portuguese um, it also has very good infrastructure it's also historical there are records of people walking back to the Middle Ages um it's not quite as challenging i would say as the camino Frontes, which also makes it a a good um first camino um for someone wanting to see what it's like um so that would be it would me for me it would, they're both really good um but it would depend on how long a person has
0: Yeah, I would agree with every single thing you said there. So just like to recap what you've said. If you've got a month or longer and you want that full on Camino de Santiago experience, the one you've read about in the books and you've probably seen in the movies, then the Camino Frances will probably be for you. If you haven't got that long, you've only got two or three weeks and you're just starting out, then from Porto to Santiago, I think it works out around about 12 days, 12 stages, something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but you could comfortably do that in two weeks and it's a lot flatter, less physically challenging, and you still have that same infrastructure as well. Um, so, yeah, I would agree 100% with everything you've said there, David. We know you've done two Caminos, the the, the Frances and the Portuguese, and we know there was a few years between both of them. And we also know that you refined your planning and preparation, your packing list. So imagine you were to go on the Camino again. What would be the three top things on your packing list, aside from the obvious being the backpack, boots and socks?
1: Okay. Assuming we're also leaving also aside underwear, pants and shirt.
0: Let's um, go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> walking pole, hiking poles, I would definitely take with me. That would be the first on my packing list. I, they were not on my packing list for my original Camino Frantes. Um I did not actually acquire them until Viana, and I don't think I would have completed the Camino without them. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and I took them from the beginning you know, with the Camino Portuguese and had a much better time with my knees, although it was hmm. a flatter Camino. Um, but, yeah, definitely they would be the first. Um, hat would be another really uh, key thing for my packing list. And I know that this isn't for you, but for me, my smartphone um, would be there. I am a definite believer in using uh, Camino apps as opposed to lugging the books with me, um, although I sometimes bring them on Kindle, um, and it's my, um, my camera. It's a way of keeping in touch with people at home. Smartphone is definitely the third on my list.
0: So hiking poles, because obviously they take that force at your knees and your lower body. And I find personally, I I don't use hiking poles, but very often when I'm on the Camino, I'll pick up a couple of sticks and I'll just slam them into the ground as I'm walking. I find it also gives you a bit of a psychological lift, strangely um just the the rhythm it gives you it's like um it's like a um a metronome that you keep it keeps yeah. You keep rhythm, and I enjoyed it for that reason, as well as the you know the benefits to to our lower body and our joints. You also said the hat. I'm guessing that's to keep the sun off and and keep yeah. some shade on your on your head, and also your smartphone because you've got your camera. It's got your, obviously you obviously can connect with your family, your friends, your daughter, your son, your wife, and also because you've got some. Camino or some very useful apps. Is it one app you could say you, you use a lot on the Camino that you'd recommend others download?
1: Um, I use I I get a variety of them hmm. and, and cross reference them again just because they're not none of them are hundred percent accurate but they're all they're also cheap. When I consider how much I'm spending to come from Toronto to to Spain and over the thing, spending a few dollars on an app to me is you know really easy. I When I, I've used the Wisely Plus or the Wise Pilgrim apps, I've used the Buen Camino app. Um, on the Camino Frances, I used the Camino Pilgrim app uh, in 2016, which was a very good one. Um, I like the way that you can, if you're not sure, you can pull up a map and see the Camino on it and yourself on it and make sure that you're on the Camino or find your way back to it if you're not. Um, plus, they have all the usual places to stay, um, where the fountains are, where the bank machines are, you know, all all the the guidebook type of information.
0: All right. So we heard about some of your favorite apps there. What about your favorite city, town, or village along the Camino? Somewhere you'd recommend that people must visit? Could be on the Portuguese or the Frances.
1: That's a tough one. I think I would have to say Leon. Mm. Um, Leon has... My favorite cathedral on the pilgrimage on, on the Camino Frances. Um, a lot of people like Burgos. Burgos is a beautiful city. I did spend a rest day there in Burgos, and it has a beautiful wedding cake of a uh, of a cathedral. But for me, the simplicity of the Leon Cathedral with its immense quantity of stained glass uh, is my favorite. And there's the um, the Pantheon of San Isidro um, as well, which is like the the uh, the Sistine Chapel of Romanesque art. Um, and it's just the city itself is so pretty, and the people there are very nice. I would have to say, Leon.
0: Okay, so um, Leon and the cathedral, are the places you dec- definitely recommend that your fellow yeah. pilgrims visit. And is there a specific restaurant recommendation? that um you could recommend that when the pill when the sorry should i say the camino eventually reopens and we all know it's going to be more beautiful and vibrant and colorful than it ever was after the rest it's being given right now and let's hope the restaurant that you're about to recommend will still be trading as well
1: (laughs) you know what i i was thinking about that and Mm. i really love the spanish food and i love the food i ate on the camino but i don't I think there was one restaurant that stood head and shoulders above the others that i could remember to say this is the restaurant to go to i the 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 eating uh the meal i do recall was when we were in porto moran um it was some fiesta or, or festival or market day or something and they had a big tent set up with tables and the propane burners and the big barrels where they were cooking the pulpo and uh That certainly is a meal that stands out to me. But it's not like I could say, here's the restaurant address and name to get it from there. It was just a a big tent that was set up in the downtown city.
0: But that's a good recommendation as well. And you reckon what you've you've recommended is the pulpo, which for those who don't know what that means, that's octopus. And uh, it comes with uh, suction pads on and they've often got, it's often seasoned with, I I think it's like a... Um, a sweet pepper, isn't it? It's like a sweet pepper yeah. and uh, comes with some potatoes sliced up as well. Uh, there's some oil and salt put on top and yeah, it's to die for without a doubt. So pulpo in Porto Marín when you pass through Porto Marín when you get into Galicia look out for the octopus, the pulpo. And... So now what we're going to do now, David, if it's okay with you, we're going to move into uh, quick, some quick-fire questions, okay? So yep. we're going to keep the answers short and sweet and fire through them as fast as we can. So your favorite Camino blog or vlog, book or film?
1: So I have lots of books. I have lots of vlogs. I love the vlogs. So I, it's hard to pick one. I'm going to very quickly say the name of three. Efren Gonzalez has done a series of vlogs of his Caminos, which are really outstanding. Um, World Towning, you can look them up. Um, they were a family of four that did the Camino together and did the vlogs. And more recently, from my own home country of Canada, Samantha Plavins um, did a vlog series of her Camino Frances, and all those are outstanding.
0: Fantastic. One thing you wished you'd packed on your first Camino, you got on there, you thought, ah, oh, we should have brought that.
1: So, when I was going on the Camino with my son in July and August, what I wish I had packed were those hiking umbrellas that attach to your um, backpack straps and will shade you.
0: Never heard of such uh, a thing.
1: So, yeah, they, 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 they create these lightweight umbrellas that are like SPF 50. Um, they, some of them are like, you know, silvery. So they're really more like they work as umbrellas, but they also work as parasols. They also work to shade you from the sun. And apparently it's at least 10 degrees cooler underneath these. Um, and when we were crossing the Meseta, um, though those would have been really handy. My wow. son does not the heat.
0: <laughs> Thanks for that recommendation. And, Thank you very much. So one thing you didn't need and wouldn't take again.
1: So on that trip, I took something called a scrubba which is a plastic thing that you put your clothes in it and, and for hand washing. You put your clothes in your water and some soap and you wash them in that, and that was a waste of weight. I maybe used it once or twice, and I didn't need to use it then. I could have used other washing facilities.
0: Fantastic. So don't take your scrubber one place you wished you'd stayed over.
1: I think I would have to say Legrogno, we walked through lagroño it wasn't a, a, a stopping point and i've heard that the tapas there are pretty good and i wish we had stopped there so we could have enjoyed that
0: yeah i stayed in lagroño and absolutely loved it you come over that bridge the archway with the arches and over the river and yeah the food is amazing as well and obviously the the wine in larioca um and in, you obviously lived in spain for a little while so maybe you can help us with this one an important word to learn in spanish for your camino Gracias. There you go. So that's
1: the first word I learn in any language is is thank you. It always means more when you thank someone in their own language. I think.
0: Yeah, it goes a long way for sure. Hardest part of the Camino.
1: The hardest part of the Camino was, I'd say, the third day. The first day, you know, your body, you know, walking twenty kilometers a day is 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 pain, but not not that not that bad. The second day, your body is saying to you, "What this again?" And then the third day, your body is saying, "Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? <laughs> what do you think you're doing to me?" And then after the fourth day, it's like it gets into the new normal. But the third day is like the peak of your of your body saying, "What are you doing to me?"
0: Yeah, the first day you you're going on pure adrenaline, aren't you, the adventure? The second day yeah. it starts to wear off. By the third day, that's worn off completely in your body's he's wondering what the hell is going on. That's, I've never heard it put like that before. I love that. Thanks. Um, what's your favorite thing about the Camino, if that's your hardest, if that's the hardest part for you?
1: The People. The other fellow pilgrims. Mm. Fellow pilgrims, definitely yeah, my favorite thing about the Camino. I for the you, Caminos I've done, you know, maybe in the future I'll do a, a less traveled Camino and um, it may be something different, you know, if I'm on the Camino all by myself, but mm. Where I've met other pilgrims, they've been the best thing.
0: I mean, we, I've walked the Camino in December a few times with my wife, and we've there's times when we've not seen anyone for days. In some ways, it's really, really nice because you've got that peace and tranquility and time to think. But it's definitely missing something from when I've done a Camino in the summertime and, and you're seeing faces that you bumped into two or three weeks before and you're having these daily reunions with people like they're your long lost family members and I, I love that part of it as well so I'd agree with that as well and last for the quickfire round um a guilty pleasure that you may have carried with you
1: so I don't know how much guilty it is but when I went back to the Camino for my Camino Portuguese I had a personal cello made for me a personal stamp that I could stamp people's uh credentials with because in the previous Camino, um, when I, the Camino frontez, there were lots of people I would meet again and again, and I would mean to at, get their contact information, but I always like I never got around to it. And um, And then one day I wouldn't meet them again, and I was like, oh, I wish I had their contact information. So I thought, I'll make myself a personal stamp. People get stamps from all over the place. People get stamps from the side of the road. They can get a stamp from me. It'll have my contact information it'd be an easy way to share my contact information with people and it will encourage me to do that more often
0: that is such a nice idea and so clever as well so you just literally go around just when when you meet people just give them your stamp in their, their credential yeah love it Love it. I I really um if you wouldn't mind just sending me a picture of that. Um, you know, we've been communicating sure. on, on Facebook Messenger. If you can send me a picture of that, I'd love to upload that and so people can obviously have that idea and they might want to get their own stamp done as well. I love that. Really nice idea. So we're gonna move back to the general discussion now, David, and Obviously keeping your your valuable safe and secure is very important. How did you do that on the Camino and how did you manage your your money? How much cash did you take? How much card how much did you have on cards? How did you manage your money on the Camino?
1: I took cards. I took more than one, which was handy because when I got to um, Santiago after my Camino Portuguese one of my cards seemed to stop working. (laughs) So having another backup card was, was very useful at that point. Um, I wasn't keeping to a, a tight specific budget. So I would spend money as I needed to. Um, I was, you know, I was generally, we were generally staying at the albergues. Mostly we were staying at the, the private albergues. Um, but they're still like a lot cheaper than, you know, private accommodations. Um, with the occasional hotel on a rest day um but i wasn't we weren't keeping to a specific budget per se um when i money started i would take out uh, a few hundred euros and when it started getting down i would take out again and i would keep track of where the which villages had atms so that i didn't run out if uh, you know um if it looked like it was a little stretch without ATMs, I would I would make sure that I had enough cash to to see me through. But I wasn't keeping uh wasn't someone who was like watching every euro as it went in and as it went out. Um in terms of keeping track of my valuables, um that's one area where it helps having um traveling with someone. So that they can watch things while you're in the shower, or whatever. But even then, when I was traveling by myself in the community of Portuguese, I would just take stuff with me into the the shower when I went in in um, in the Ziploc bags. Yeah. Um, and generally at night, my pattern was to I would when I got to the albergue, I would shower i would change into the next day's clothes and i would wear those right through for 24 hours till the next shower as it were so i i didn't have separate sleeping clothes i would sleep in the clothes i was walking in the next day Hmm. which made it really easy to get out quickly and quietly the next morning
0: so yeah minimal fuss minimal disturbance when you're leaving in the morning
1: and so my 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 valuables were in my my you know what i was sleeping in had pockets and i would just keep my valuables in my pockets while i was asleep
0: yeah i always found it in um my- yeah I do, I do the same as well we I, I sleep with my passport my wallet my bank cards everything tuck in tucked into zipped up in a magic belt and it's with me inside my sleeping bag while i sleep and that's the way i, I manage that and i wonder just um if you do this as well what i I like to do when i'm walking is i always have like a few coins in my in my pockets as well because sometimes if you see like a vending machine you know the vending machines have started to sprout up along the way as well enterprising families and and cafes if they're closed they, they have a vending machine outside so i i found that i could just dig into my pockets chuck a couple of euros into the machine and get like a nice cold drink out every now and again as a little treat along the way i found that as a, a good little tactic so you don't have to dig into your wallet which can obviously be time consuming because your energy is very precious and and you obviously need to save as much of it for for walking for survival for essentials as you need would you ever do anything like that find that useful
1: yeah i mean i i like i said i wasn't i wasn't uh I wasn't keeping to a strict budget, so mm. I was quite happy to spend on on things like that when I wanted to. I liked keeping coins on me, self, uh, uh, in my pockets for that purpose. I also made it a habit, uh, I made it a thing, because I felt because I was on pilgrimage, I wanted to have coins available to give to anyone who was asking for charity along the way.
0: Mm. Nice I okay. thought
1: mm. giving charity when requested was to me part of my pilgrimage experience Mm. and so I always wanted to have some coins available for that purpose as well
0: Mm, It's a nice nice idea and nice approach to it I mean on the subject of charity it's incredible the amount that you as a pilgrim will receive along the way as well Uh, Oh yeah Just lovely little touches uh, like people leaving water canisters outside their houses and a on a plate of apples and stuff like that it's like people are so nice you definitely see the best of humanity on, on the pilgrimage
1: when I was walking the Camino Portuguese my birthday was on the Camino and we were passing it was October so we were passing um, the vineyards were being harvested and I would um, it's, you know shout a hearty bon dia to the people as we passed by and one lady called me and the two other people who were walking with me into the vineyard and took us deep into the vineyard to laid us down with as many grapes as we could carry. Nice. And- it was. It was. Yeah. They, the they didn't. They
0: didn't have to do that either, did they? they actually, actually, didn't yeah. have to do that. They don't know you from Adam. You know, you just passing through, and yet they go yeah. out of their way to to do that and go above and beyond and the extra mile. And it's that stuff, that kind of stuff, that sticks with you, and it's that kind of experience that makes you want to do it when you get home. It makes you want to do it for other pilgrims, and it makes you want to do it if you have visitors to your house even when you're not on pilgrimage you you remember how that made you feel and you think i want to make other people feel like that as well and that's how the the camino and long distance walking and the pilgrimage can have such a massive effect on you and can be life-changing and people sometimes look at you funny when you say it changed my life but until they've done it until they've experienced that until they've had someone do that for them unconditionally, I don't think they can ever understand it. And and I love what you say, that story, because just before we finish, David, I'm going to ask you if you've got a similar encounter, a similar experience that you think embodies everything that's good about the Camino, a story that you could tell that would convince someone that maybe if they ever doubt, if they've thought of walking on the Camino and then, and in what's going on right now today, we're speaking as many places in the around the planet are going on to lockdown or are already on lockdown. And I know for a fact there's quite a few pilgrims out there, potential pilgrims that have messaged me and said, I don't know if I can go anymore. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Is there a story that you could tell right now that would, that would make them think, I still have to do this. This is for me. Like a, that, a story that embodies everything that's good about the Camino.
1: I don't know that I could. Like, that's, that's a tall. That is a tall order. There, you know. Um, if if someone is 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 thinking about doing the Camino but isn't sure or isn't hesitant, to me, my question would be, what's holding you up? And then I would respond based on that. But when I think of you know, you ask me for a Camino story. When I yeah. think of the Camino story that made the most impact to me, for me. It was, it's a two-part story. So it starts a few days before we arrived in Santiago, and we're in the albergue, and somebody arrives. I've never seen this person before. It's not like someone I've I've been seeing along the way. It's, It's someone who's new, and this person hobbles into the albergue in the afternoon, and he is in bad shape. I mean... Anything that, you know, the knees, the ankles, the shins, the blisters, he can barely walk. And I remember, you know, everyone's gathering around and seeing what they can do. And I was not sure he was going to make it. Um, And then fast forward a few days later, I'm in Santiago. We've finally arrived, my son and I, after walking for 37 days. We've been to the Plaza de Obradoro, you know that place that's supposed to be like the biggest moment of, of feeling when you arrive. But for me, the moment that had the biggest emotional impact was in a side street near there, where I saw that same pilgrim who had been hobbling, walking relatively okay in Santiago. He had made it. And my happiness at his success in arriving in Santiago, knowing the struggles he had been in, was greater than my happiness at my own success when I had arrived at the Plaza do Obradoro. And to me, that speaks of the Camino experience and the Camino community, because we really are... Each other's cheerleaders and it's they say the Camino isn't a race we're not competing against each other Mm-mm. we're supporting each other and 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 trying our best to see each other through
0: and again it goes back to the thing you said about the Camino the favorite your favorite thing about the Camino was meeting other pilgrims and and what you share yeah. and experience as as a team uh, it's a collective energy yeah. isn't it that we're all, we're all sharing there. And yeah, that's a lovely story. And those reunions in Santiago are, are unforgettable when you see someone you've not seen in a few days or a few weeks. And yeah, it's it's definitely some in some ways many people's defining moment. And, and thank you very much for sharing yours. And just as, if you don't mind, before we just end, in the challenges we're all facing, in this current moment, where we are facing the prospect of being locked down, and living minimally, is there is there a lesson that you can take from your pilgrimage into the challenges that are ahead of you right now?
1: I, I think I think you said it right there. It, it, we, we people who are pilgrims uh, who have been, you know, walking. Uh, living out of what they can carry on their backpack for two weeks, six weeks, mm. whatever. No, there isn't that much. You, when you strip it down, what you need from life is is very simple and very minimal. Mm. And whether we're locked down or, or you know, even in our lockdown situation, um, we can get. Nothing is taking away those things from us that we need. We still have places to sleep. we have places to eat. Mm. We can communicate with each other as you know both the people immediately or like we're doing it right now across oceans mm. um, we have We have companionship um, and we can can think and appreciate what's around us, and that can happen anywhere,
0: yeah. and
1: none of that's been taken from us.
0: No, and the pilgrimage definitely teaches you to do that. And I love what you're saying as well, David, because everything you're saying to me from what I've taken from that is you're saying and talking about everything we can do and not focusing one iota on, on what's been taken away. And when you apply that perspective to things, it doesn't seem so bad after all. And actually, as I've said to to my wife and and many people who have been... Maybe posting poor me, hard done by stuff online and, you know, flouting conspiracy theories that in actual fact, we are the lucky ones if we're at home and healthy. My mother, for example, is a nurse and she's out there on the front line. I'm I'm scared terribly for her. Yeah. And... All we have to do is wait this out at home and, you know, be responsible and stay home. And and as you mentioned in our pre-interview chat, a bit of social distances for a short amount of time, you know, in the... In the
1: or a longer amount of time, yeah. I mean, either way, let's hope it up being months. But. In the
0: grand scheme of things, it's a short amount of time. Grand, whether it's going to be yeah, a, exactly. or it's going to be a, a month, two weeks. We've just been told here in Spain that it's going to be at least another at least until April the eleventh. So we've gone from we've gone from two weeks to to a month, but it's absolutely fine. We're all getting by and and many ways, you know, my wife and I are finding out that we get on better than ever. And, um, you know, I'm chatting more to my friends more than ever. And um, there are positives to take from from this challenging situation. It's tragic, obviously, that people are losing their lives and, and we're having to witness that in the news every day as well but we can only do what we can do in that is control the controllables and relating to our pilgrimage experience we you know we're used to living minimally and we've been through psychologically tougher stuff than this which is obviously you know the daily walking having to get 30k in some ways the hardest part is not being able to go for a walk anywhere isn't it but yeah. when we can eventually go for a walk it's going to feel like the best walk of our lives so I have to ask you as well about your your son before we finish and how did the pilgrimage experience shape because he's so young and impressionable at 16 has that has that shaped his did it shape his future choices in life what has he gone on to do how is it how is it
1: he's still he's, hmm. he's studying um, media production
0: hmm.
1: uh, new media at the uh, university um i think it did to a certain extent it's hard to say um i know that uh when he first finished it like the day he finished it, it was like okay never again like
0: <laughs> really
1: but six months later he was talking about oh, i could do another camino yeah so no. so yeah i think i think there may be a little he may have gotten the bug a little bit of that yeah. but um I, I think he now knows that if he puts the effort into something he can he can see it through
0: yeah yeah definitely and maybe everything he learned and that was learned, I think uh, maybe everything he learned and all those experiences will bear fruit maybe a bit later on in his professional life when he looks back on the lessons yeah. and and he sees how that actually sharpened his, his life skills. So, yeah, it's it's been a real pleasure talking to you, David. I'm I'm really grateful for all the lessons you've given, the recommendations, the tips, the stories you've shared as well. And as a big thank you, I'm going to send you via email a PDF copy of my, um, my Amazon bestseller, which is The Only Way Is West. So I hope you enjoy the read of that. And are there any more Caminos planned for you and your son anytime soon?
1: Well, um, I think the next Camino is likely to be in another three years or so. Right. Um, Maybe when he he graduates university and that'll be probably or possibly about the time I retire. And then I expect some Caminos. Um, I'm not sure where the next one's going to be. If I go with my son, it could be doing the Frontes again, maybe starting a little bit farther away from Santiago. Um, if I go with my wife, I'm expecting she might be more interested in doing the Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And if I end up going by myself, I think the next Camino by myself is going to be the Camino de Madrid, starting from where the front door of where I used to live there. And then going up, um, I think that joins the Camino Frances in Sahagún. And then going over to Leon and taking the uh, San Salvador and then the Primitivo.
0: All right. So whichever one you choose and whoever you do it with, whether it's your son or your wife or on your own, I'd just like to say thanks once again and wish you good luck, good good health, that you and your family stay united and positive. And lastly, of course, Buen Camino.
1: Thank you. The same to you. Good luck, good health, Buen Camino, and uh, especially good health to your mother.
0: Thank you very much, David.